GPS, God's positioning system, God's positioning. Um, I know I'm thankful for GPS. There's people in my family would not be able almost to get to church if there was not GPS, but uh, they're, they're gifted in other areas of their life, just not, let's just say their directional challenge. Is that a, is that a way to say it? But uh, uh, it, it's, it's neat because, you know, if you ever had Siri, you know, when you're on uh, going to a trip and she's giving you directions, but you decide that you want to go get something to eat, so you, you veer off, and, and she says this. She says, recalculating. And uh, I'm so thankful that, you know, she doesn't say, you stupid idiot, you're, you're off course, you know, and uh, she's so gentle about it, and she's so, it's almost like loving. I just, I, I like Siri. My, nobody else in my family does, but I, I like Siri, and uh, she's nice to me. She's kind to me, but um, I feel like some church people don't, they think better of Siri than they do God. They think that God's not, uh, you know, if you feel like, man, I really miss God or whatever, and, and that most church people think that, oh, you miss God, then he's just ready to, to really ridicule you and punish you and everything. Let me just tell you a little bit of tip. He, he's nicer than Siri. <laughs> That's revelation for some. But uh, he, he didn't just see, say recalculating. He, he just will ever so gently keep loving you, and taking care of you, to uh, it just seems like you're going around about the wrong way. But God says, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. And Joseph, it seemed like that was what was going on with him. There was a lot of things that uh, he knew, but it just seemed like things weren't working out for Joseph. And uh, today I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. And uh, I believe it will minister to all of us. In Genesis chapter 49... Genesis 49, verse 22 through 26, it says, Joseph is a fruitful bowl, even a fruitful bowl by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of the Father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep and that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. And to thy utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. The New Century Translation of verse 22 says this, Joseph is like a grapevine, that produces much fruit, a healthy vine watered by a spring whose branches grow over the wall. I like that. Uh, you and me have that in our DNA. I've got this uh, Bermuda. It's called African Bermuda grass. And, uh, you know, back east, they just don't understand that I literally planted that in my yard. Back east, Bermuda is like a weed. You do not have Bermuda when you have Kentucky bluegrass. You just don't do that. And so the reason is Kentucky bluegrass needs 5,000 gallons of water a week almost. 
So they, they say, you're from Kentucky and you don't plant Kentucky bluegrass? Yeah. My water bill is already outrageous. I really don't want to pay a lot for water. Kentucky, it's free. But, you know, so you plant Bermuda. Why? Because it takes very little water. But the problem, there are some cons against it, and that is this African Bermuda, we, put, we planted plugs. Uh, me and Melody's aunt and uncle years ago, we planted plugs in the front of our yard to where it just looked ugly. But little by little, it started growing together. Well, it all was great because, man, it spread really quick. And we put this little rock uh, stone, I should say, decoration to keep it from uh, separated from it to Melody's beautiful flowers and rocks, you know, and so there's a separation there. The Bermuda didn't know that. <laughs> it, the very first year, you know, when it started really spreading, it climbed over the, the stone little hedge and wanted to get and participate with a flower arrangement. And uh, so I just thought, man, you have to weed eat. In the weeding, you think, man, you have to do that all the time. So I got serious about it. So I got this, you know, farmers use, you know, this WD-40, 2HD, some kind of initials, you know, where it kills everything. It drops on, it's dead. So around the edge of that border, I put it to it, did all that. About three weeks later, it just grew over top of it. And I go, you got to be kidding me. So Melody bought me this flamethrower. It's a wand about this long, and you hook it to, I mean, it goes straight to the propane gas. You turn that baby, and it's got a valve on it, man. I mean, you can regulate it. You turn that thing on full blast. It sounds like a jet engine. <laughs> it's fun. But anyway, I got a hold of it. It's not, not work at all. So I got that, and I go, Bermuda has met it's match. So I went along the edge and just burned the fire out of it. I mean, all of it. And I thought, yeah, three weeks later, <laughs> up from the grave it arose. And I thought, man, so it's just like there's something in that DNA. It's, you're, you're not going to get rid of it. It's just going to keep doing it. You may think you've got it, but just give it a few weeks. And it kept doing that thing. And I thought, this is Joseph. Joseph was like that. He was like a mighty climbing vine that no matter what obstacle was put in front of it, put in front of him, I should say, he could get over it. And how could he do that? It wasn't because, you know, he, he was special in the fact that he had some great ability. It was that he believed in what God said about him. Did you hear that? I said he believed... And what God said about him, and that kept him to be a vine wall climbing machine. So Joseph just climbed over obstacles. And if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, when he was about 17 years old, I mean, that was a young guy. He had this dream of these bundles of wheat that were bowing down and to him. 11 of them, to be exact, plus the sun and the moon, which was uh, in the stars. That was his mother and father. They were all bowing down to him. And so he tells his 11 other brothers and his parents, and that obviously did not go over well. If you've got a brother that you think that uh, is going to bow down to you, he said, over my dead body. All 11 of them were, were saying the same thing. 
And uh, so they didn't take kind to Joseph. And, uh, but I, I know it was just tough for Joseph, I'm sure, because he said, man, this is what God has showed me. And they couldn't care less what God showed him. And so all 11 of them hated him. And then when he went out really far away, they were taking care of their dad's flock, and it was really far from home. He went, his dad told him to check on, check on him, so he did. And so they saw him coming, and they said, let's kill him. That's pretty harsh, you know, to kill your brother. I mean, I've had, uh, I've got, I'm one of six, and I'm pretty sure that none of mine brothers and sisters at least publicly wanted to kill me that I know of. But anyway, uh, I'm kidding, they haven't. And, uh, but all 11 wanted to kill him. And so they, one of them said, no, don't do that. He had a little mercy on him. So he talked them out of killing him. So they stuck him in a cistern in a hole in the ground. And at that particular time, uh, a caravan was coming and headed to Egypt. And so they sold, they said, let's make some money off of Joseph. So they sold him as a slave. So if you're familiar with the story, he goes into slavery, goes back to Egypt. But this is the thing about Joseph. He goes to a guy's house named Potiphar who bought him as a slave. And Joseph, his presence there caused everything to prosper in Potiphar's hand. His herds, his flocks, and things were being organized. His, so basically, Potiphar realized that. And he basically gave Joseph the checkbook. He had the rule of the house because everything that he touched just prospered. What am I saying? So from being wanted to be killed by his brothers, he rose up out of that. He climbed out of that. Not by his own strength, but it was by the grace and the strength of Almighty God. He's a slave. He turns out having full run of the house as a slave. And then his, the Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He said, I will not have any part of that. And so she lies about him. He gets thrown in prison, and you think, good night. He takes one step forwards and 12 steps back, so now he's in prison. And then there's a, uh, a couple of guys on staff of the Potiphar, of the king, not Potiphar, uh, the king at that particular time, and they sit there, and they find out he's got a gift that interpret dreams. He gives the interpretation and uh, one's going to die, one's going to be promoted again. And so Joseph sits there and says, don't forget about me. And so there's four F's that happen to Joseph that I think are pertinent to our life and what goes on in our life. The first one was that Joseph was forsaken, forsaken by his own kin, his brothers. They rejected him. So he's forsaken, and he has to deal with that. The second F is that he's falsely accused. People uh, may come against you and falsely accuse you. People may try to judge you. We've all been judged. We've all been judged in some degree. And then uh, when you're falsely accused, don't you just feel used almost. So here's Joseph. He's feeling uh, like, man, I'm being rejected. I'm being used. And then the third F there is that I've been forgotten. He was forgotten. 
And he says, man, they, they used and took advantage of me, of my gifts and my ability. And you may have at some time in your life been taken advantage of, of your gifts or your ability, that people didn't appreciate you. They just used you for what you could do for them. So he was forsaken. He was falsely accused. He was forgotten. But this was in spite of everything. The fourth F is that no matter what the other three Fs were going on, he was always highly favored. He was favored when he was put in the cistern by his um, brothers. He was favored when he was put as a slave. He was favored when he was put in prison. This is our, my point that I want to make sure that all of us get a hold of. Nobody can make you think negatively about yourself except for you. I read a story about one of the Jewish people that were in the Nazi prison camps during World War II. And he had this mentality. You know, the, the guards treated them worse than animals. Treated them worse than animals. And uh, this guard, he said, uh, uh, how he, he just would speak so evil and wicked of this one particular Jewish guy because he would continually smile. He would continually be unaffected by the way that they treated him. And so he talked to, to the Jewish guy, and he says, so what's up with you? Why, why aren't you like the majority of, of the Jews that are in concentration camp? He says, because of this. He says, you can try to make me think badly. You can try to make me a prisoner. You can try to make me a slave, but I know who I am, and you can't change that. We need to get a hold of our circumstance should not dictate to who we are. Are you hearing me? Joseph had many things that he had to get over, to climb out of. And I truly believe that he believed in what God said about him. That's why I've been hammering for four years that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That you are holy. That you are loved by God. That you are special to God. Matter of fact, in Genesis, I believe it is, help me out, Tiffany, where it's 37. Genesis 37.3. It says this, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age and he made him a tunic of many colors. A coat of many colors. Now, I don't know about you, but that, just, that, kind of, that scripture kind of makes me feel funny about it but then the Lord showed me something about that he said Israel who was the father of all 12 he loved Joseph more than anybody else and I thought that's a picture of God the father who loved his son more than anything else but then you have to take it a step further God turns around and he says because I love my son greater than anything he says I love you more than anybody else. And I went, what? He says, Mike, I love you more than anybody else. I said, well, God, that sounds not right. But then he comes to you, and he says the same thing to you. I love you more than I love anybody else. You think, that, that just doesn't sound right. You see, God is a one-on-one -on -one God. He's not a generic God. He can literally do that because he's God. He doesn't love me, literally, more than he loves anybody else. But that is his mentality when I have a relationship and I'm talking with him and we're on one-on-one -on, -one on basis. 
Does that make sense to you at all? It, it does to me, but I mean, it's hard for me to explain that. I just realized that what God the Father wants you to know, that is, because the way he treats you, he loves you, and has a relationship with you, it's like he loves me more than he likes anybody else. But then you come along, and you start talking to him, and he starts talking to you, and it, he, he portrays the same thing. I love you more than anybody else. I'll do anything for you. I'll make you just like Israel did for Joseph, the coat of many colors. I know that's hard to, I know I'm not explaining it the way that I, I know it, but I hope you get a hold of that, that God loves you more than anything. And that's the way Joseph felt about his dad. His dad loved him greater than anything, more than anything. So Joseph had that in the back of his mind. But not only did he have that as a building foundation, God gave him that dream and said, this is what I've called you, and this is what's going to be your destination. Now, I know a lot of times when we, you think, what do you want out of life? What do you feel like you want to do? What, uh, uh, and if you don't have any of that, you've got to at least have this in your foundation, that no matter what, I am more than a conqueror, and I'm victorious in every area of my life. That should be in your foundation. Are you there? You got to have that, all right? So you think, well, I'm just not for sure what I'm supposed to do in life. I mean, I, even what I'm doing now, I think God even has something else for me to do besides just pastoring the church. And I'm not taking that lightly, but there's other things that God, I know this, God can walk and chew gum at the same time. He can. So he can get me to pastor, and I can say, man, I'm just happy doing this. And God says, well, if you want to do more, I've got something else for you. I've got something else that I can get you to do if you want to do it, because I'll give you the ability to do that. And I go, I'm all in. So, I mean, I'm not going to share all of that, but I do know, and I'm not going anywhere, just for some people who think, are you, what are you saying? I'm not going anywhere. I'm pastor of this church, all right? You don't have to worry about uh, somebody, there was a rumor uh, a while back that somebody said that uh, somebody offered me a, a church, bigger church in Denver. They did not. And if they did, I would not go. Amen. Amen. That wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have to pray about that. I mean, I don't even have to pray about it. There, you just, there's some things you just don't have to pray about. And that's, you know, you should... A guy in Florida uh, offered me, me a position there. In Kentucky, my home state, church of 400, church was paid for, and the salary was high, and a guy called me up and says, if you want that position, I can get you that position. I said, no, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not saying that. Uh, I just know what I know. You just got to know. There's some things, and I don't ever pray about any of that. And it's not because I'm trying to be, I just know that what God has called me to do, I'm always on track with God, even when I choose wrongly. And I'm going to explain myself on that. Because a lot of times you think, man, I just really chose badly. I'm off. God just, oh, he, I'm swept off. I made the wrong choice. I made the wrong decision. Oh, woe is me. No, 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 no. I made some, now they, Tells me not to say this word, but I say it. Stupid decisions, stupid choices. I have with a capital S. That, that means really, really stupid. But I know this, that God, he loves me with an eternal love. 
And you got to know that. You got to have the revelation that. And then you have to keep believing what he says about you. So if you're going to be a climbing vine, all of us are climbing vines like Joseph. But even with a greater degree because we have Christ in us. Joseph did not. He just had a dream. Listen to me now. But if you want the climbing vine in you to be manifested, are you ready? This is how you can climb out of any mess you may think you're in. You may be in a mess physically as far as uh, your body's got some kind of sickness. You may be in a mess financially. You may be in a mess relationally. You may be just your life is a mess. I mean, just everything's a mess. The Lord wants you to know that he has made you a climbing vine that you can climb out of any mess that you may be in, even if it was your own making. How many think that's good news? I believe that's great news. You have the ability... Man, you, you've got greater ability than African Bermuda grass climbing up over my, my stone little wall there. You have the ability to climb out of it. Anything. You have the ability to climb out of it. So you've got to have this in your foundation that you know I've been teaching this forever. And that is that God loves you, but you have to believe what God says about you. So I'm not going to get off course, you know. I'm not going to try to come up with something super fantastic revelation. No, we're going to stick to this, and that is this, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you're always righteous no matter what. You are the holy that no matter what, and you're highly favored by God no matter what. Joseph had this mentality, and that was pre-cross. He did. He had the mentality that God is for me no matter what. While he was in the cistern, his brothers were voting whether or not they were going to kill him or not. He knew that he was highly favored by God and that he was going to reach his destination. When he was sold as a slave, he knew that he was highly favored. How do I know that? Because he prospered while being a slave. When he was in prison, when he was in prison, he prospered as a prisoner. He had this mentality, you can put me in prison, but I am not your prisoner. You can make me a slave, but I'm not your slave. He had the mentality that I'm highly favored of God. How do I know that? Because Potiphar's house, when he was a slave in his house, he, everything prospered to Potiphar, and he knew it was because of Joseph. When he was in prison, the head of the prison gave him the keys to the prison. He ran the prison. I've been to some of the prisons in Canyon City. I mean, that's... That's prison alley out there, you know what I mean? Supermax, all the famous prisoners go there and everything. You know, and I haven't been to Supermax, but I've been to some of the other prisons to visit some people. And you know what? I'm not seeing any of the keys hanging on the belt loop of any prisoner. I'm just saying. That, that's unheard of to this day. I'm pretty sure that's the only story that you will ever read uh, about a prisoner who had the keys to the prison. Pretty sure. And it was Joseph. How can that be? It wasn't because he was so special and greater than anybody else. It was because he understood that he was highly favored by God. You and I have to understand that we are highly favored by God based upon what Jesus has done for us. And so if that just becomes something that you meditate on, that takes me to the second thing. If we're going to be climbing out of any kind of mess, you've got to meditate on stuff that I'm talking to you about. And I'm not talking about getting on a stool and crossing your legs and... Um, 
No, I'm talking about meditating upon what God has said about you. I believe that Joseph meditated when he was in the cistern. I believe he meditated on when he was a slave. I believe he meditated when he was a prisoner. And what was he meditating? I believe he meditated upon what God told him about he showed me a dream. He showed me a dream. And in that dream, I was going to be at a high position and people were going to bow down to me. So I am going to be a person of authority. I believe he meditated and meditated and meditated upon that. What do you need to meditate upon? What do you need to meditate upon? You know, I can't tell you that. But I can tell you, it needs to be something that God has said about you. If you're struggling, of course, with your, some kind of ailment, you can meditate upon how God has paid the price for you and me. You just meditate. I, what helps me more, than, and I'm, I'm not perfect in this, but I do know this. What's helped me in the area of the physical realm is this, is that instead of trying to get healed, I have changed that around, and I realize now that healing is always on the inside of me. In other words, uh, you, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but you can be like the people before the cross, the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood, healing was not available to her. You know, you and I have the scripture, by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24. We were healed based upon what Jesus has done. Do you realize she didn't have anything like that to read? She didn't have a Bible to read. All she had is something that she heard because she was stuck in her home. And she heard that Jesus walked about and healed people. And so she said this in her mind. She didn't read some scripture that said, if I touch his clothes, he will... Make me whole. Do you know there's no scripture she read about that? But she said in her mind, because I know his nature, and I know the character of Jesus, I believe that when I touch his clothes, I'm going to be made whole. And it happened just as she believed. Without a scripture, without a Bible, without anybody trying to get her to get in faith about it, she just said within herself, if I touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. My point is this. You know, everybody's waiting for their ship to sail in, to come in. I've heard people say, I'm just waiting for my ship to come in. I'm just waiting. And we bring that into the church. I'm just waiting for God to bless me. I'm waiting for God to heal me. I'm waiting for God to do this. I'm waiting for God to do that. And you know what? I truly believe this. The devil will get into agreement with you on that. (laughs) Yeah. The devil himself will agree with you. If two of you shall agree on earth, it's touching anything, it shall be done. The devil said, yep, I believe that someday your ship will come in. I believe someday you'll get healed. I believe someday you'll be blessed. I believe someday you'll have a great marriage. It may be when that one dies. But, I mean, I believe... Come on now, loosen up. (laughs) I believe that it's going to happen. You see, 
This is the problem I believe that we're having as church people, and that is this. Healing is not something I'm trying to attain or get a hold of. Healing is on the inside of me. Therefore, I don't even have to have faith for healing if it's already on inside of me. I don't know if you got that. I don't have to have faith for something that I already have. I am blessed. Whatever I set my hand to shall surely prosper. But then the Lord says, Mike, it's not just about you setting your hand to something that causes you to prosper. What you need to see and understand is I have placed my hand upon you. And that scripture goes for me as well. Whatever I put my hand on shall surely prosper. Woo! We put such an emphasis on me. I got to put my hand on something to prosper. God says, just take a step back. He says, I want you to get a picture of my hand coming on you. Now, do you think, Mike, that when I put my hand on something, it's going to prosper? I think everybody would go, Woo-hoo. oh, if I could just get God's hand to be placed upon me. If, I... if you can get God to place his hand upon you. Listen, honey, you can't do anything for that to happen. It is something that God has chosen to happen already that he's done for you. It's not going to be he's going to put your hand, his hand on you when you get to heaven. It's not going to be when you get your act together. Because that ain't never going to happen. That was a little bit of a joke. <laughs> My point is this. God has already placed his hand upon you. And you don't be like the people, I'm, I'm just waiting for my, my ship to sail in or come in. Honey, be like at least the people before cross and say, I'm, my ship's there. I'm going to go out and swim and get to it because I believe that ship's my ship. I believe that healing's my healing. I believe that prosperity's my prosperity. God meets all of my needs and it's now, it's on the inside of me. It's not even a faith issue. I know that would make some of my faith pastor friends upset but I do know this you do have to believe that so yes it is a faith issue but it's not my faith I've got to get something no Jesus has already gotten for it, me for it and it's on the inside of me how many believe it's a lot easier to believe listen to me now it's a lot easier to believe for something if you already have it instead of believing I have to get it which one do you think is easier if you believe I already got it, you know, I don't have to believe for a truck. I drove one to church today. So I have that. I've got that. I don't have to say I'm just believing God. I'm going to get the faith to get a truck. People go, well, what would you drive this one? I drove a truck. Well, then you need to believe that, you know what, that's my truck. Yes, it is. That's my truck. So I thank God for what I've already received. If you want something to explode on the inside of you, then thank God for something that you know he's already given you. Not that he's holding it back, and when you have enough faith, then you'll get it. That'll preach. Habakkuk. So you got to meditate? Let me get back. you got to know three things for sure. you got to know and believe what Jesus has said about you. you got to meditate upon what he said about you. And then the third thing, you got to persevere in your thinking. But why? Can you imagine Joseph, what he had to do? Here he is. His brothers are thinking about killing him. And he has the back of his mind a dream that says that uh, he's going to be in a place of authority where people will bow down to him. But here he is. 
This has happened. And then he's sold as a slave. He's sold as a slave. But then again, he's got to persevere in his thinking. I still believe that I'm going to be a person of authority. I believe that. And then he's thrown in prison. It's like he takes one step forward and two or three steps back. Listen, things like that happen on our planet. Things like that happen to you and to me. I remember about five, it's almost been five years ago, that uh, I wanted to, I felt like the Lord just said, he opened a door for me to get involved in real estate. And so I bought my first rental property. And when I bought that first rental property within six months, and those six months, I was cash flowing, money was coming in. And after six months, though, I found out these people, they de- literally destroyed the inside. It, to this day, Paul knows what I'm doing. That's why he's laughing. <laughs> to this day, I've never seen, first of all, how anybody could live like they were living. I mean, I felt me and my family, we went in to clean, remodel, restore, do something. But I, I, at first, when I walked in, I thought, you know, stand back. For the smell, just looking around, I just thought, I wanted one of those uh, hazmat suits with oxygen, for sure, with oxygen. I mean, I went, I go, how long can I hold my breath? Okay, and it was just... And my son, you know, this was five years ago, and he, so he was just 15. He just walked in, and he goes, can you sue these people or what? I mean, we got, that's how bad it was. He says, Dad, this is just, and, and, and we're going to do what? Yeah, we're going to clean this up. Just us? <laughs> just, just, just our family? Dad, you realize there's, you only have one other son. There's just, I mean, this, and it took us probably about four to six weeks to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and it, when it was all said and done, that was about five or $6,000 to get. And that's with us doing the work, five to $6,000 of doing stuff. And so your initial thought was, I took one step forward, and I took a mile back. I mean, I'm out, here you are, man. I, I mean, I lost money, something fierce. So you have this mentality, oh, what's well, the use? But you have to have the same mentality that was in Joseph. I'm climbing out of this. Are you hearing me? I will overcome this and prosper and be blessed in spite of what has happened. You have to have that kind of mentality. Because if you don't, I remember a guy was doing some electrical work on that same house, and he goes, oh, this is your rental property, huh? Oh. And he says, I used to own three rental properties. He says, oh, but man. And he had stories like I had, you know. And then, yeah, they tear this up and everything. I just tell you, it's not worth it. And I understand if that's not your cup of tea, that's not your cup of tea. But you do, I'm not going to quit because uh, somebody calls me to quit. I'm not going to quit because of something out external. It's going to be a choice of mine and mine alone because I want to do this. You're not going to make me do this. And so I just told that guy, and I, I, you would come across investor, investor, quit and quit and quit. And man, I tell you what, you have to realize, even though I took one step forward and three steps back, I have the climbing DNA inside of me. You know why? Listen to this. Jesus was the greatest climber of all time. You know why? Because he climbed out of the grave. Amen. Come on now. He climbed worse than what Joseph climbed out of. He climbed out of death. 
He climbed out of death, hell, and the grave. He climbed out of that, and that same mentality, DNA, and climbing ability is now inside you and me. Come on now, no matter what you're going through, what, no matter how big the wall is, it's nothing compared to climbing out of death. It's nothing compared to climbing out of death. And so in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19, it says, The Lord God is my strength. He makes me like a deer that does not stumble so I can walk on the steep mountains. I got a picture of this. Have you ever seen those uh, uh, Rocky Mountain sheep or Longhorn sheep, uh, those goats, bighorn sheep? You know, those things are up on little bitty cliffs. You know, have you ever seen? Yeah, look at that. I don't know about you, but that, I'm not afraid of heights, but that would make me uncomfortable. <laughs> First of all, because how they got there, how did they get there? And then how are they going to leave there? I mean, they got to go take a potty break or something. I mean, but what are they going to, I mean, of course, they, if they did, I guess it would fall all the way down. But anyway, my point is you get, they got to eat. They got to do something. And then the Lord says, I put you in your high place. See, your high place is different from my high place. Your destination is different from my destination. Everybody's. But this is the thing. I look at what they do and where they're at. Yeah, how do you, look at that. I mean, Spider-Man has nothing on that dude right there. I mean, and he, did, he wasn't even doing that. He was just using what God was giving him. But this is what the Lord showed me. He showed me a picture. The Lord showed me a picture of Jesus and me cradled in his, in his arm. And the Lord was climbing up these kinds of walls like that. And he just says, and he put me right there in my high spot. No predator can get there. Nobody can touch that. And he says, when you believe me, I'll take you to the highest and we'll keep going higher and higher. The Lord says, we're never going down. You may think, listen to me, you may think you're going backwards. You may think you're missing God. Listen to me now. You may think something's not going right and nothing ever goes right. It may just seem like that, but the Lord says, I've got you. I used to golf years ago. I gave it up because Melody finally, she says, you know, every time you come home, you're not happy. When you golf, you're frustrated. She says, I don't know. It's up to you. But if, if you want to spend all that money to, just to be frustrated, you know, and you have a good time being frustrated, go for it. So I started putting two and two together, so I quit. But anyway, uh, <laughs> there's one thing that I admire about golfers. When they putt, how many know that the destination is always the cup, the hole? But they never just sit there, okay, straight line, and they just hit straight there. Because I learned real quick, I mean, because if the, if the green is slanted or has a hump or it's got some kind of dip in it, if you just hit it straight, there's the hole, and your ball goes, hmm. You just can't do that. So you got to take the terrain and everything into your thought pattern to how to hit that ball. And the Lord showed me one time, he says, that's how I navigate you through life, Mike. Listen to me. God knows what you're going through. And it may seem like you're going the wrong direction. It may seem like nothing's turning out right. But I want to show you. Can we show this clip real quick of, of some of these golf shots? Look how he goes way up the hill. And it's coming back down. And it goes in the hole.
he hits it down this other hill. Stops. And watch it. Turns. Comes down the hill. But it's so long. He's so far away from the hole. It's so far away. Kind of like what you're believing for. This is a chance for an eagle too. So I had a crack at the green and found it. But a long, long way back to the hole. A couple under par for today's round so far. And this could well take him to four under. What? That is the best putt we've seen this week. And this next one, his back is to the hole. He's not even looking at the right hole. Look the at this. your screen. Look at where he's aiming. Teed off on 10. He's made the turn and he's trying to get this ball to turn towards the hole. Oh, how good is Come this? Come on, do how it. How good is do that? <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. Do you feel like that sometimes? You, you know, your destination, what you're believing for, or know what's in your life. I think about Joseph that way. Joseph knew his, what his destination was, but man, he became, they made him a slave, they put him in prison. All of these things happening. I'm sure he thought, man, I'm just like that ball. I'm going this way, and the, the destination's over there. And the Lord the whole time is saying, it's all right. You keep believing what I say about you. You keep believing what I say about you. It may look like you're going the wrong direction. It may look like the wrong outcome. But when the dust settles, it's just going to be like that ball. It's going to go up the hill. It's going to come right back down. And everybody's looking at this direction. And while all along, I've got the destination in mind for you. I've got the destination in mind. It's a destination of good and not of evil. It's a destination of prosperity and not poverty. It's a destination where my hand is always on you and I never leave you nor forsake you. So you need to believe that about yourself. You need to believe that. Meditate upon that. Joseph did that. And you know what it does? It just causes you to climb out of any mess that you may be in whether it was self-inflicted or whether somebody did something to you, fired you, divorced you, rejected you, you may have been forsaken, you may have been falsely accused, and you may feel forgotten, but there's one thing that's always been upon your life, and you need to know it, and that is the favor of God. And that favor, listen to me, that favor will rise inside of you calls you to climb over every obstacle <laughs> over every single obstacle no matter who's forgotten you I don't care if your own parents gave you up and, and you don't know your father and your mother you have somebody in your life more powerful than any father or mother you have the love of God the favor of God somebody needs to hear that you have been highly favored and you are loved and prized above all else in the eyes of your, your father, all right? So don't let anything rob you of that. You need to meditate upon that because you may have been falsely accused. You may have been uh, forgotten. What was the other F? Falsely accused, forgotten, forsaken. You may have been forsaken by everybody. Jesus said all have forsaken. His own disciples, he said, they've forsaken me. But he says, I'm not forsaken you hear me? Everybody on this planet can forsake you, but you'll never be forsaken. But you got to meditate upon that. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Meditate upon the good things.